Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent, it was senseless, and I will never understand it, I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story. The struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. It's time to get outside. This is KSL Outdoors, brought to you by Trax Power Sports. Two hours of stories and information on hunting, fishing, and high adventure. Our host is Tim Hughes on KSL News Radio. Welcome back. It's great to have you for another week. This is uh, an hour I've been looking forward to sharing with you. It's our chance to run down to Arches National Park, which we've done before. And uh, Bryce National Park, which is going to be special this year because it's their 100th anniversary, which we're going to celebrate with the help of Lance Syrett. But the reason I've been looking forward to this particular trip is because I get to share it uh, with someone for the very first time, which is always a treat. And not just uh, anyone, but uh, some friends of ours from the United Kingdom, from the London area. And uh, his name is Paul Nichols. His lovely wife, Melody, is also here with us. And actually, right now, we're sitting in an Airbnb in Moab after a full day at Arches National Park yesterday. And I just thought it would be a treat for our listeners to be able to uh, get a perspective from someone on elsewhere, outside of the United States, on the other side of the pond, as they like to say, uh, on reasons why they targeted the National Parks of Utah, and what made this trip happen. So, Paul Nichols, welcome. Good morning, KSL viewers. Not listeners, actually. Listeners, listeners. <laughs> Luckily, they can't see us this morning because we had, a, we had a rough day yesterday. It was warm, and we'll talk about that hike uh, yesterday. really took it out of us. But I want to back up a little bit for people that may not know, and I've talked a fair amount on the air about uh, – what I do for fun on the weekend sometimes and get out and uh, ring announce for glory kickboxing all over the world. That's where Paul and I first met. Paul actually is one of the best combat sport referees you'll find anywhere in the world and has traveled all over the world. Give people a sense of the work that you do. Okay, so um, I've been appointed by some of the major organizations throughout the planet um, in combat sports, um, which puts me in the center of the two fighters. In essence, my job is there um, to ensure that the fighting is fair and all the rules are adhered to. Um, complete the fight and wave it off and fighter security, really. I mean, safety is the most paramount uh, part of my uh, position. Um, just, just see how the fight goes. Yeah. But authority in the ring. You are the authority in the ring. I am the number one authority in the <laughs> ring. And if uh, you don't like my rules, then you don't get in. I knew that was going to come. <laughs> I, I can't tell you how many times I've heard that from him, uh, ringside. And give it, 
give our listeners an idea of uh, some of the countries that you've worked in. Wow. Okay. So from the US, which I was most fortunate to visit, um, which I took in Chicago and uh, New York City, I've pretty much covered most of um, Europe, um, Turkey, China, Japan, um, Russia. Um, Yeah, literally. I mean, the only, I haven't done um, South America or Latin America as we'd know it, or call it at home, and I haven't done um, anywhere like uh, Thailand or Australia. Yeah, but that's on your list to do. Very much so. Whether I will have the opportunity to do it in an officiating capacity um, all depends because I'm uh, getting older and the opportunities are closing as you get older, Mm -hmm. and my career is also changing slightly. I'm not spending as much time on the canvas these days. I'm spending it more time on the outside of the canvas and directing up and young coming uh, officials who wish to aspire as myself to um, do the best job that they can and um, get to, you know, officiate the best fighters that they can. Yeah. How many championship fights have you uh, been a part of? Well, I know you were keeping track at one point. Okay, so for glory, I did 26 world titles. That's, yeah, that's massive. Yeah. And as you know, our listeners may not, that um, championship bouts are not put in the hands of the least experienced of referees or judges because there is so much at stake. And so the fact that you've been in that ring 26 times speaks volumes about your abilities, I think. It was, you know, it's an absolute privilege every single time that you arrive at an event and, you know, you get the list of fights that you're um, about to officiate. You know, you get a little bit of a tingle, you get some nerves. I am extremely nervous, which um, Tim will echo. Um, I have a routine which uh, is religious that I've always followed. Um, And if I don't do it, I'm very uncomfortable. So if for any reason, um, I recall when we was out in China, the ring was actually centred slightly different in terms of where the fighters got on and off and the production was. And it made me uncomfortable because I have what I call my pillar. Yeah. Um, and it's just a little psychological things. Um, you know, I have a little routine that I do before I get into the ring. And then I have a routine that I will always do with the fighters. And if anything is amiss, it throws me throws me slightly out. Yeah. Up until that point that bell goes, um, the nerves are there, which... Keeps you sharp, I think. We were all on edge at that uh, China event, I think, because we uh, we arrived to find out that uh, there was no broadcast truck, there were uh, no microphones, there was no way to communicate with anybody backstage. Uh, It was, and it all came off uh, because of the professionalism of those we work with. But it it was a an intense night, I think, for all of us. It was. um, I think my biggest memory from the night was I've never seen so many white-coated doctors. Um, (laughs) Although I don't recall any of them being around the ringside. They all sat up up in the audience. Yeah, it's interesting because normally when there's a a, uh, ringside doctor, which is always required, and then there are a couple of cut men to take care of any cuts that come up, they sort of blend into the crowd. But in China, they came dressed in their uh, full... Uh, doctor outfits with their white jackets. Uh, So, yeah, that was interesting. All right, shift gears here a little bit with me. You guys, you and Melody, do a fair amount of traveling with your children, too, I might add, to uh, places in the world that uh, most of the people I know in America would never consider or even think about. Tell them about Dubai. Okay, so Dubai is a playground. Um, It's not cheap. 
However, there is deals if you can, you, if you take the time, look, you can find deals. You know, we are a middle class family, working family. And, you know, as long as you're prepared to put work in, save some money up, you can get there. Find a good deal. Dubai, as I said, it is a playground. You will want for nothing. The food, um, obviously, you know, can I compare it to a steak in America? No, of course we can't. We know you've got the best steaks. <laughs> I, su- I sampled some of your finest steaks last night, which I'm, I'm most glad to say. <laughs> However, the diversity of the country, as it is recognising that it has to cater for the Western culture... Um, they have restaurants from low end to the highest end, you know, Michelin, two, three star restaurants, the food there, you cannot request a food and they wouldn't have it. They have everything. Um, The beaches, that's a strange one because it's not sand. Although it is sand, they are completely man-made. Everything is artificial. But But it works. But pristine. Pristine, you know, you will not find, um, if we talk about um, JLR, which is the main beach area where you've, where if you were to look on TV, you'd see the palms that come off, the man-made palms. There's actually two palms. Um, most people think there's one. There is actually a second palm that's been built, which is slightly smaller. And then off of there, you've also got the world map of islands. Um, I think there's only about two of them that are... Um, inhibited at the moment um but everything around it is completely artificial yeah um but the sand to describe it it's it's more coarse it's grainy it's something that you would have dug up in a pit somewhere so it's not like the soft sands that we would be used to on a normal beach that's had the erosion of the sea breaking it down and making it nice and soft on your feet so you've made that trip a couple of times i've been to dubai once uh for an international kickboxing event uh, but more recently, and we only have a minute here in this segment before we have to break. More recently, you went to a, a, a vacation spot, a resort in Turkey, in an area that I don't think is on the map for anyone here. Yeah, we took the children to um, an area called Belek. Um, why do we choose Turkey? One, the sun. Okay, so you're guaranteed good weather no matter what within the period of the, the we call it the holiday period, you know, um, when the children break up from school, we always try to identify somewhere where we know we're going to get good weather. There's nothing worse than bad weather, which we get plenty of back home. Yeah. Melek, um itself, the hotels cater for families. And that's not something that you get within the rest of kind of mainland Europe because the infrastructure of most of the hotels is old. As the hotels, they're big, super new hotels throughout Turkey, around the coastal areas, and they cater for every single thing that a child could want. Water parks on site, endless ice cream, soft drinks, good food, you know, it's buffet food, so they have everything from, you know, hot dog and chips through to steaks. Yeah. All right, so I only talk you through that because i think it's interesting to people that with all of those options with all of that exotic travel you targeted utah and arches national park as a place that you wanted to come see it's not your first trip to america it is melodies and so we're going to talk about the reasons why and how it uh, became known to you over in the uk stay with us we'll take a break we'll come back with more of ksl outdoors radio here in just a minute It's the story of an American held in a dark Venezuelan prison. 
Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. I'm Becky Bruce. I spent a year working on Hope in Darkness, which now has more than 2 million downloads. Find it on kslpodcast.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. KSL Outdoors with Tim Hughes on KSL News Radio. Welcome back. It's a special hour of KSL Outdoors Radio. Today, coming to you from Moab after an amazing day yesterday at Arches National Park. Paul Nichols still here with me. We've established the fact that you're a world traveler, uh, both for business and for leisure. So, how did Arches National Park come to be on your radar for one of those destinations? Well, Arch has come part of our radar um, primarily because we wanted to target the West Coast. So for us, the West Coast of America, um, I've never traveled here. Um, Melody, as I say, this is her first trip to um, the United States. So we wanted to undertake an area that we hadn't explored. Um, We could catch up with good friends and we could see things that we would never, ever get the opportunity to see again, um, you know, firsthand. And, you know, by doing it with friends, we would get to experience what we call the real America instead of the commercialized, which invariably 90% of travelers will target, you know, it'll be a nice hotel, it'll be on the beachfront, and they um, will dine at what we call bums-on-seats restaurants, quick turnover. Yeah. So this was actually getting into the true taste of America. And the national parks, I remember when we spoke about it before we traveled here, Utah, um, the Arches National Park, was number one on my list. I mean, images that we may see on the internet or through books do not give it justice. Yeah. I mean, to experience it firsthand is a memory of a lifetime. So your first stop, and we won't dwell much on this, just uh, because in the interest of time, was San Francisco. And uh, you took in Alcatraz, which was one of the places you wanted to do, and said lived up to your expectations, yeah? It surpassed all expectations. You know, we grew up as children and young adults. Um, we are fed everything from America. So our memories are American effectively because through films that we watch as children, you know, we had to go and see Mrs. Doubtfire's house. Yeah. Because it's one of those things as a child, you know, it's nostalgic for us. So it was on our bucket list. We had to experience, we had to see the house. We're there. So we walked all those miles, which broke her ankles, and we went and see it. Yeah. But Alcatraz, again, you know, as a young man, I remember watching... Escape from Alcatraz, you know, and, you know, it's like the Dirty Harrys in San Francisco. Just to be in San Francisco is kind of bucket list moment. Got to do it. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So then you make your way to Utah. Yesterday, temperatures were in the mid to upper 80s uh, most of the day. So we were lucky in that regard for the time of year it is because it could be much warmer. Um, We uh, hit. Arches National Park, right at 11 o'clock. I'll remind everybody you have this to have reservations. This is Building Relationships with Dr. Gary uh, Chapman, New York Times bestselling author of The Five right Love Languages. So that we and you're have, listening to our Dear know, Gary broadcast for April. Once a month, we your, take calls from our listener line, up that and we'd love to hear a question or feedback from you. Call our number, 1-866-424-GARY. 
It wasn't, first of all, about the arches, because the arches isn't the first thing that greets you. It's the landscape. And all that's going through your mind when you're looking across is the vastness. And you start thinking about history of, you know, the cowboys and the Indians and what it must have been like. And there we are sat in an aircon car and, you know, you're touching the glass and your hand is still burning. But you're coming into the sceneries and... All there is is floods of films coming in. We were talking about Yellowstone, which I'm completely addicted to at the moment. <laughs> yeah. And you see all these sceneries and you're coming in and then every single incline, as it may be, we were going through the car, you know, your mouth goes dry because you don't know, you don't, you're just taking it all in and it's the excitement of what's going to be around the next corner, the next corner, and then you land. And it's like you've just come into Close Encounters for the first time and you're like... Wow. You kept speaking about the vastness of it and wanting to stop and take pictures, not necessarily of red rock cliff walls or arches, but just looking out for for as far as the eye can see uh, to the horizon with nothing, because that's not something you get in the UK. No, we don't. I mean, you know, the UK is extremely condensed. Unless you go to a national forest or the Lake District, you are not going to get scenery. Well, you wouldn't get these sceneries anyway because it's always raining, so you're not going to see far. <laughs> um, but no, it's the sceneries. It's the vastness. It's You struggle to comprehend how much land there is without any infrastructure. And I, th- I think that was one of the biggest things that hit home. You know, we drove for nigh on four hours and... You know, you don't see anything besides some uh, electric poles. He was fascinated, by the way, with just these long stretches of straight highway. Uh, because at some places in the UK, from coast to coast, is 50 miles. Yeah, it is. I mean, you when you get down into the, the West Country, like Devon and Newquay, uh, Cornwall areas, you know, it's not even that. It's completely condensed. It goes into like a little boot shape, we call it. And you, you know, within... The whole of England, I mean, you can fit Utah, oh, sorry, England, in Utah comfortably and have, you know, plenty of room for it to rattle around. Yeah. It, so it's incredible. <laughs> yeah. All right. We have two minutes. I'm going to make this impossible for you because in the next segment, we will be at Bryce and we're going to be talking about Bryce Canyon. So you got to see the Windows District and see Double Arch, climb up in there, which was one of Paul's things. He had to climb into the arch wherever he could get it. So we've got lots of great pictures I'll post on our Facebook page and our website. But the hike up to Delicate Arch, I told you both it was going to be a warm one, and there were places where it was fatiguing. It wore us out, but worth the trip? Undoubtedly. Um, Experience of a lifetime. Um, memories that I will hold forever and fortunately as you know as I get older and maybe the memories fade I have the photographic evidence to keep reminding me of what are the most wonderful moments that I've experienced and it's iconic not just here in Utah but around the world and with the Olympics here in 2002 more and more people got to see it but we have it on our license plate we're talking delicate arch we have it on our license plate and it really has become part of what Utah is all about but the way it just stands there in the midst of nothing you can't describe it until you've seen it okay so pictures as i said previously pictures do not do it justice to experience it firsthand and take it all in just the size and the structure it's just humongous it's it's beautiful absolutely beautiful and lived up to your expectations from the pictures you've seen? Oh, it surpassed. It surpassed everything. It was wonderful. And it's a moment that I will live and cherish forever. And we will as well. But there's more to come. 
We are headed to Bryce Canyon, where they're celebrating 100 years. Lance Syrett will join us. We have a date this evening for a dinner and a Nashville songwriter show over at Ebenezer's Barn. We do yeehaw. <laughs> <laughs> we'll take a break. We'll come back with more here in just a minute. A gun in the face. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. Started two years of horror for an American in Venezuela. They said, you need to give us your phone and get ready because you're coming with us. I'm Becky Bruce, and I spent a year researching and piecing together Josh and Tammy Holt's story about their ordeal in a notorious prison. That's when everything started to turn bad. We had another pound on the door. Boom, boom, boom. And there was the police once again. You can binge all of the episodes of Hope in Darkness on kslpodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Podcasts.